You are listening to the PFG Vibecast episode 16. I am your host, Julie Voigt, and with me as always is Mr. Russell Baxter. And tonight we have a wonderful, wonderful episode for you tonight. So, without any further ado, here's Mr. Russell Baxter. As some of you may know, I spent more than two decades at ESPN. I watched a lot of football. I did a lot of inside the numbers, and I laughed a lot. And one of the reasons I laughed a lot is because I got to spend time with one of the best people to ever do his job, and also one of the best people I know, period. And that is Chris Mortensen. And Julie and I are extremely proud to have him on the PFG Vibecast tonight. Mort, how are you, sir? Russell, I'm good. If you hear anybody knocking on your door after midnight, I would advise you to answer. It's probably law enforcement because during this Green Bay Packers, all this Packers, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers controversy, I was looking for my cheese head that made the, with, with the little mouthpiece. And uh, we can explain to Julie what it is. And I can't find it. And I believe it may be in your house somewhere. And I am calling law enforcement to come in. And, you know, it'll be a subpoena, a search warrant. So don't be surprised. Joe, how do you feel about Trent Dilfer this year? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's very funny. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs> so there, um, Mort, um, you had pretty much a very impressive resume and, you know, leading into writing and writing a book going on after that in the journalism, coming up with the national and then working on ESPN for all these years. What is your favorite part of your job? Oh, uh, you know, listen, I think it's like, uh, I think the journey, it's hard for me to say the favorite part of my job, but the journey has been the favorite part of my job because it's a journey that I embarked on with no intention of being in journalism. I was going to be a teacher and a coach. Mm -hmm. I went to North High School in Torrance, California. I went to El Camino College and LA Harvard College because we couldn't afford college. And then I ruptured my spleen actually during uh, playing a little bit of football at high school. And they told me, that I wouldn't have to worry about being drafted by the Army. By the way, Julie, they used to actually draft people without it. didn't give you a choice. Uh-huh. And I went in, and I had a number of weird obligations coming out of the Army. And uh, my old sports editor that I was working part-time at the Daily Breeze in Torrance, California. And his name is Mike Waldner. I want to mention his name because he gave me an opportunity because I needed to pay some bills to kind of work one summer as their high school sports editor, I might add. No high school sports played during that time. Uh, but, uh, but, but, uh, and I said yes. And then they actually asked, offered me the job. So I didn't finish college. And I uh, went into that and I kind of bypassed my goal to be a teacher and coach, which is probably good for a lot of kids. I, I might have uh, ruined their careers. Uh, and, and, and I, and I actually, you know, it was, it was, it was the foundation of, of everything that's happened to me in my career, because in, 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 when you work for a, a kind of a local paper, and, and listen, we, we had 30 plus high schools we were responsible for. I covered George Brett 
when he was a senior in high school at El Segundo High School, playing shortstop for El Segundo High, but also playing split end and, and, and defensive back for the football team. So I'm taking you way back. But the great thing about when you're working at a local newspaper back then is nobody's hand, you have to do all the work by yourself. Nobody's handing you statistics. You're, you, know, you have to interact with people and walk sidelines and kind of cover games and really create relationships and, and work the desk and write headlines and write captions. And uh, so all of those experiences, and, and I spent like four or five years covering high schools and junior colleges, uh, you know, sports. And, and then they actually graduate, you know, and I'd help out occasionally on Major League Baseball. I'd, you know, help be part of our Super Bowl coverage whenever it was played in L.A. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, they asked me if I'd cover the L.A. Dodgers uh, during, I think it was Tommy Lasorda's first six years. Uh, and I traveled with the team. And then I went to, uh, you know, had a chance to get out to Atlanta uh, and worked at Atlanta Journal-Constitution covering the Braves, the Dale Murphy Braves. Uh, and so that, that it was the original experience because that, that lasted about a dozen years at the Daily Breeze. Uh, and it was, it was tremendous. Mike Waldner, my sports editor, was a, a big influence on me. Uh, a lot of my coaches in high school were big influences on me. But from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, that takes you to the National Sports Daily. I had other venues. Sporting News gave me a venue. Uh, the National Sports Daily, which if we had had an internet, by the way, Julie and Russell, mm. it would have been a smash hit because we didn't, we had everything. We had, we had I think, the greatest sports staff in history, uh, but we, you know, they didn't know how to distribute the paper, which is, which is kind of a problem. But, uh, but they delivered it in, in New York and Chicago. They got it to the big markets. And it was in, in New York, and, and Frank DeFord was the editor, the late Frank DeFord, great. Great man, and, and obviously a legend. But uh, he actually gave me my uh, choice of covering you know, sports, and I chose the NFL because it fit more with my family lifestyle. I was now married and a father. And, uh, and, and, you know, maybe a lot of people didn't see the National Sports Daily, but I would say the right people, at least for me, saw it because one day the phone rang, and it was a guy named Fred Goodelli. Fred Goodelli. Uh, is now the guy who you know basically produces he he produces Sunday Night Football uh, for NBC and uh, but he as Russell knows and Russell knows him uh, he was you know did the draft for ESPN uh, this is 1991 now and uh, I worked behind the scenes at CBS while uh, because the, the National did not publish on the weekends and uh, it was that draft which I will say when we have this draft coming up. It will be the start of my 29th year at ESPN. Wow. So the draft is kind of a, is a marker for me. Mm-hmm. And I've always loved the draft. And uh, I love it so much they use me less and less. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but uh, so this journey that I've been on, you know, I, it's just I, I've enjoyed every, every leg of it. I, I really have. I mean, the ESPN, what it did, you know, was it made me visible and in a way, when somebody puts you on TV, and back then you got to remember there wasn't, you know, there, there wasn't daily TV, sports TV, and 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 and, and the, our business, Will McDonough of the Boston Globe was the ultimate NFL insider, and still the best insider ever, and the pioneer for all of us. Uh, you know, Will had told me, you know, I had asked about doing TV, and because I I hate it, it just didn't make sense the crossover from being a, a writer, a print journalist, 
and, and go do TV. And Will encouraged me to do it. And he just said, give him the headlines, kid. That's all you got to do. And I told him, but Will, we hate headlines. And he said, well, then give him a caption. And if you think about it, what is Twitter today? It's a caption. Yes. And, uh, and I get more trouble on Twitter than I, uh, than I do uh, anything else. So, so I, I would say that uh, my, 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 maybe my career has kind of taken some interesting turns. But what TV did was it made me visible. And so, therefore, whenever I made a phone call, where I might have been maybe fifth or sixth or seventh in line for maybe a general manager or a coach or somebody to return my call, I, I think I got pushed up the list because they, see me, they saw me on TV. And, you know, when somebody puts you on TV, they think you're somebody. Now, everybody who really knows me knows that I'm not somebody. I'm just uh, Tidmort, Tidmort, as Russell once uh, <laughs> uh, uh, dubbed me, which is a whole nother story. Uh, but, but, you know, listen, bottom line is I've, I've loved what I've done. Uh, it's been good to me. Uh, and... Uh, would I don't I can't say I wouldn't ever change anything. There's certainly things you would change in your life and career along the path, but you know, I've been very blessed. Um, I'm humbled by by everything that's happened to me, uh, and uh, you know, and part of that is making good friends. And Russell's one of those good friends, and and I still get to you know, we're not allowed to call this a job. I mean, if you get to talk about football, you get paid for it. Uh, and oh, by the way, and if you complain about it, shame on you, shame on me. Uh, but, uh, it's just, uh, it's been very special. Well, I know I learned something very valuable tonight uh, from you, Mort. Um, I now know that one day when you were covering George Brett, you must've turned to him and said, Hey George, how about some of this sticky stuff on your bat? Maybe it'll help you. <laughs> uh, George was alleged, the, the, the Brett brothers, you know, people don't, people People forget that the best the best baseball player in the Brett family, uh, and, and George is probably admit this was was one of his older brothers, Ken, who we call Kemmer, <laughs> and he was I think the uh, youngest pitcher ever to pitch in the uh, World Series with the Boston Red Sox at one point. He was 19, but he was a terrific hitter, and uh, unfortunately he passed away from from brain tumor. But uh, yeah, no George uh, George was a great guy, always has been a great guy, and. You, know, you talk about you know when you when you see George had the success he had, you know, yeah. I mean, you, he didn't have the time for fine tar, but uh, he he played he played for a legendary coach named John Stevenson, uh, and he was a great great player. Needless to say, and what's funny about it is he wasn't even the MVP on his own team at senior high. That was a sophomore pitcher named Scott McGregor, and you remember him pitching with the Baltimore Orioles, but. Uh, now everybody knows how old I am. <laughs> Julie, do you now understand why I laughed for 20 years? I now can understand that. That is yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah. So good. Well, Mort, uh, you spoke about the draft, your, your 29th draft. And uh, we're a little over two, a little over two weeks before um, the newest draft, 2019. Has the official smokescreen season started in terms of Who's going to do what? I mean, obviously, there's tremendous interest in the number one pick, as there always is. And there seems to be even more interest than usual with the Cardinals who had drafted Josh Rosen high last year. Um, and other uh, – is he in play for a trade? What, what's the latest on that? Yeah, you know, I would say the smokescreen season has started. 
I, and I always have a, a, a policy. And by the way, it's my, tw- it's my 29th draft for ESPN. I covered the draft before for newspapers. Right. So, but uh, I would say that usually my policy is if what you hear early or, or first is usually the truth. So you got to go back two months. What did I hear two months ago when a smokescreen season hadn't started? And, you know, what I had heard is that the Arizona Cardinals were going to take Kyler Murray. And now you're getting a lot of mixed, you know, mixed signals that, you know, hey, listen, you know, they have their needs. Rosen, you know, Cliff Kingsbury was brought in to get Josh, the most out of Josh Rosen. And, uh, they, you know, they really like Nick Bosa and Quinnen Williams, uh, both of the Ohio State defensive head. And Quinnen Williams, the de- uh, Alabama defensive tackle. And, by the way, those are good players to like. And if you're building a team, and listen, we forget the teams win in, in, in the NFL. Not just the quarterback. You have to have the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Josh Rosen did not have a bad rookie season. No, I mean all five of those rookies had good had good rookie seasons. Had you, you had reason to, to to say, okay, these guys have a chance. Uh, but you know what? What we didn't plan on, or the Cardinals didn't plan on, they didn't plan on being as bad as they were, on firing their coach after one year, Steve Wilkes, which I still think was an unfair firing, but it doesn't matter. They they decided to hire Cliff Kingsbury. And when they hired Cliff Kingsbury and they had the first pick in the draft, and I know when Cliff was interviewing offensive assistants, including potential offensive coordinators, he made it pretty clear that he wanted to run his offense that he ran at Texas Tech, which has minimum protections and, you know, a lot of different bells and whistles. And, and uh, you know, there's Kyler Murray. I mean, and we all – that's be, you know, so to me – I, I still believe it'll be Kyler Murray, uh, even though, you know, I can make an argument that Rosen should stay there and they should just keep, build their team and take the best defensive players right there. But I, I think we're going to see a Kyler Murray draft. And, you know, I, I had heard early on that uh, the, the most likely landing spot for Rosen would be the Washington Redskins. Mm-hmm. Now, as of this point when we're talking, you know, you'll, you will hear Red, the 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 uh, Cardinals are not uh, fielding. Uh, well, they're listening to offers, but they're not shopping them. Well, there's no need to shop them. And if you shop them, you kind of take away the old strategy of having a smokescreen. And the other thing is, is between now and the time of the draft, what happens? What if something happens to Kyler Murray? Kyler Murray, whether it be you know something catastrophic, God forbid, uh, or something else, that all of a sudden. Taking him would not be a viable choice, a good choice for the Cardinals. Now they've told their quarterback that's in the fold, Josh Rosen, well, we were going to trade you. Uh, and he knows it. So that's, that's, that's why I think uh, things have gotten quiet. More, what's, what's the one team this offseason? And listen, we've had a lot of crazy offseason this year, you know, Team turmoil in Pittsburgh. Team turmoil in Green Bay. Let's let's stay away from the turmoil for a while. What's the team that's impressed you the most this off season, and maybe even surprised you in in that uh, this off season as well? Well, guy, it's a good question. I wish I wish I'd actually thought. I should have known you were going to ask that question because I can ask you that question. You'll give a better answer than I will. (laughs) Uh, No, but I'm telling the the truth now. Uh, Listen, I actually. I hate to say this because you know our building that I work in, but I really thought the New York Jets did a heck of a job, uh, you know. And 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 I, you know, I I think that uh, you know C.J. Mosley was a big pickup. You know, mm-hmm. 
I think, you know, having Greg Williams as your defensive coordinator is a big deal. I think that Adam Gase uh, as the head coach with, with, with uh, Dow Loggins as his offensive coordinator and Sam Darnold. You're doing things. Listen, they got things set up for Sam Darnold to have a lot of success. Robbie Anderson is a guy that I know some teams would have loved. We're, we're checking out the TV being available. He's a deep threat. Uh, Quincy Anunwa, he's already he was already there, but he, he matches up. And then you bring in uh, uh, Jason Crowder from the Redskins, and there's a slot receiver for Sam. They've done some things on the offensive line. Their defense is 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 going to get better, and they have the third pick in this draft to do something with it. So. I hate to say the Jets because of the people I work with in the building. We got Julie. We have a lot of Jets fans in the building, and uh, and we know it's all going to go south anyway. So, uh, but I think the Bills in the same division, the Bills have had a understated quality off season. Uh, and then you have who else do we have? Russell, who else do we have? I'm missing the the, the, the best ones. But you go ahead and freshen my mind. Well, it's funny. I think one of the teams that's done very little um, this offseason in terms of bringing in veterans um, because they have a plan and you know how it is. Having a plan is always very important. Um, You know, just signing people left and right. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, But the Indianapolis Colts have been extremely quiet. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, last year did some Great things in the draft. I mean, all they got was a rebuild offensive line, the defensive rookie of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, after a sluggish start um, and even a more sluggish start, the fact that we didn't know who their head coach was going to be after Josh Daniels turned them down. Uh, mm-hmm. Frank Wright comes in and irony of ironies, Mort, uh, the man who – was the quarterback for the greatest comeback in NFL history, 32 points down, right. mm-hmm. um, orchestrated a comeback from one and five. Yeah, he, he did, and he got criticized for, for uh, going for it. Even people said, well, you know, he, uh, you know, he still should have, you know, punted or whatever he did on mm-hmm. one play. But listen, I, I'm a big fan uh, or a believer uh, in Chris Ballard, their general manager. I, if, you know, if you put a gun to my head and said, who, who out of the AFC is going to the Super Bowl next year, if it's not going to be the Patriots, who I don't count out, by the way. Uh, I know. But uh, I would say the Colts, you know, because what I saw from Andrew Luck was exciting. I mean, listen, to know what happened to Andrew with that injury uh, and then to see the joy. I mean, I've never seen this unfettered joy that, that Andrew uh, displayed as he came back and, and then, you know, I loved, by the way, you know, last year when Dave Gettleman had the second pick of the draft, and he got some criticism for not taking the quarterback, but he said when you're picking that high, you want to pick gold jacket players, the guys that you envision could be wearing a gold jacket in the Hall of Fame one day. Well, I thought there were two based on the people I trust the most in this league, and Saquon Barkley was one, and Quentin Nelson was the other. And Quentin Nelson was not just a dominant player. He's a culture changer. For, and that is a cliche, but if you talk to everybody there, just the mentality he brings, not to mention the skill set and the physicality uh, and the confidence that he brings uh, was terrific. And, you know, listen, they've added different pieces, some understated, and they're not finished because you got this draft to go through. 
And so I, I would uh, not disagree with you. What about Julie? Julie, who, who did you like? Oh, you know what? You, you have me smiling ear to ear. I am all on the Colts. I just love the genius actions that Ballard's doing, that Frank Wright come together. Just, I mean, just those things alone, not even with Andrew Luck coming back healthy, with just like adding Quentin Nelson, adding Braden Smith, adding just filling in these holes, bringing on well, how about Darius, how about Darius Leonard oh, last year? Yes, that's just that's just an understatement. You know, I mean, this kid, just watch out the next couple of years. This this team is going to be dynamite. I'm I'm telling you right now. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, it's funny because when Nick Foles signed with the Jaguars, and I like that signing, uh, you know, everybody said, well, that, that really changes them. You know, they, they can get back to where they were before, you know, the year before. But then you start thinking, you know what? That division, you know, the Colts are – 10 times better than they were during the Jaguars year that they won, won a lot of games. The Texans are going to be better this next year. Mm-hmm. And the Tennessee Titans uh, are pretty darn good and going to get better. Mm-hmm. So, but the Col- Colts would be uh, the team that uh, if I had to pick a winner of that division, and I don't have to, but I, I think they're going to win the division. <laughs> I'm still looking for that cheese horn, though, uh, cheese head. Oh, it'll all be in the book, Mort. It'll all be in the book. That's right. Still one of my favorite stories. Is there a team um, that's kind of laying quiet in the weeds, for lack of a better word, Mm. Um, in terms of the draft, maybe a team that has – they might not have the most picks, okay, but they might have a few extra um, that you could see surprising us because it happens every year. Someone we're not – really talking about all of a sudden they make a couple of moves and you know how this league is. I mean, we've two years in a row now, Mort, we've seen a pair of last to first in 2017. It was Jacksonville and Philadelphia last year it was Chicago and Houston. Um, and I'm not making any predictions obviously this early, but is there a team come draft weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that might surprise us by being a little more aggressive than people think? Uh, first of all, I, I, I love, I love the question, but I am now officially cheating to get on my computer. That's all right. Uh, and because there, there was a last of first, uh, somebody, somebody that I thought would be, the Raiders don't count because they have so many drafts we're expecting them to be, uh, you know, the lions are our team. I'm, I'm watching. Nobody's talking about the lions. Mm-hmm. I think Matt Patricia's going to listen. I think if, if the ownership backs him I think he's going to be a little more successful as a coach and I think they've had a good offseason by the way right now that's that's from out of left field and the Bears are you know and the Vikings are really good and, and the Packers we'll, we'll see what happens with them uh so you know for, you know I obviously you know I need I, I gotta I, I need to see the Chiefs do some things okay Mm-hmm. Sure, this is, this, they were 12 and four, but they've lost some key people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have Patrick Mahomes, but we need them to see uh, see them do some some key things. And then we've seen the Jets do do some things. I would say let's just talk about the Patriots for a minute. You look at the losses they've had, and they have 12 picks right in this draft. Right. And we, I have seen people, and they've lost Trey Flowers and some other people. I've, I've seen people say, well, you know, this is. They've lost too many people. And they, you know, listen, and, and the Gronkowski retirement may have caught them off guard. 
because they were in the bidding for Jared Cook, and I think they might have been more aggressive there. And Cook signed with the New Orleans Saints, the tight end. But, you know, you think about them. I sit there and say, you know, I, I look at them. I said, their offensive line is still going to be really powerful, despite losing Trent Brown, because they drafted Isaiah Wynn last year, and they got hurt. And, and he came out of Georgia. He was their first-round draft pick last year. Otherwise, the line is the same. Uh, I got a feeling they'll find a way to deal with this tight end thing, but we forget about them as their backfield. You know, Sony Michelle, James White, uh, Rex Burkhead. You know, they have, they reinvent themselves every year. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to be a more physical. They're going to be a more physical football team. And on defense, they listen. The first month of the season, they could end up one and three or two and two. People will be writing their epitaph, but they'll you know that that's their preseason. And so they have a chance to be very aggressive with all those draft picks in a, in a kind of an off season where people think that they've really taken a little, another little nosedive. Well, I said, I was talking to air right there. <laughs> it's, or, 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 or as Chris Berman would say, it's off to Pluto. Uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, you know, you know the other the other one is the Denver Broncos. Uh, Russell, I mean, I think John Elway is. Listen, I think he knows he's 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 blown on a couple quarterback picks. Obviously, Peyton Manning was was not that was a big pickup. I'm I happen to be one of the few people I think uh, that thinks Joe Flacco it was an excellent pickup by the Broncos, and that that John is such a competitive guy that he you know you know they 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 might be a little a little surprised people well I, I i will say this more I, I i think of this i think von miller i think bradley chubb and then i think vic fangio that could add up yes. to the bermuda triangle to say the least and here's the other person i think of there because uh, i think john will do, do some things with the offensive line but that is mike munchak so mm-hmm. we have a little bit of uh i'll say a hall of fame even though they're not hall of famers uh, of offensive line coaches, and you know, you talk about Dante Scarnecchia with the Patriots. Mike Munchak is right there with them. Uh, you know, Bill Callahan in Washington. There's, there, there's, there's six, seven guys that are just special, and they make the offensive line is a team unto itself. It's a, it's a unit unto itself, and I think that them getting Munchak when he actually wanted that job, uh, and where they be, got fortune is that Mike's daughter lives one of his daughters lives in the Denver area and, and that's their only grandchild is there. And, you know, despite losing out to Vic Fangio for that head coaching job, Mike decided, and Vic was a big enough man uh, to say, yeah, I'd love to have Mike on my coaching staff. And I, I, I think you see some interesting improvement there. Well, interesting would be the understatement when it came to this conversation. And I can't wait to see you in Canton. Uh, Julie and I are both going to be out there. We're going to actually do some live shows while we're out there, Mort. Um, the Vibecast is going to become the live cast. Um, so Ooh. You like that? Well, I like it a lot. So when we come knocking on your hotel room at 3.30 in the morning, <laughs> scoop. <laughs> uh, it, well, I always say you better bring my cheese head back because if you say anything <laughs> stupid, you know that thing is going to get blown Within five words. And by the way, I shouldn't even say if you say anything stupid. When you say something stupid. <laughs> More, which, which, apply, which applies to all of us. 
Uh, that's that's exactly except right. Julie. I, except Julie, I'll, oh. I'll, I'll leave Julie out of it. <laughs> Julie, yes. you made the list. There you All go. All right, I'm happy. <laughs> Mort, it's been great talking to you. I know you've got a lot of work ahead of you over the next couple of weeks. Um, the fact that you took this much time to spend with us, um, I'm very very happy. Gracious, you know how much I love you, and I can't wait to see you in four months. And I return it right back to you. And thanks a lot for having me on and uh, excited about the draft. I've always actually liked the event. It's where uh, the NFL and college football kind of uh, intersect. And it's, it's a lot of fun. So we'll, uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking more about it leading up to it. And I'll see you in Canton. You got it. I'll find you. Save me, uh, save me the centerpiece, if you know what I mean. Okay. <laughs> Yes, I will. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. <laughs> All right, bud. If you still hear a slight giggle in my voice, um, I'm still enjoying <laughs> that conversation with Chris Mortensen. Uh, brought back great memories. Um, how much I enjoy him, how much I enjoy his work. Um, but not only that, how much I enjoy him as a person. So, and he's funny, he's entertaining. Um, I don't know about you, Julie, but I'm kind of smiling from ear to ear. You know, it sounds like you had a great, great run and it just keeps getting better for you. And he was, that, that was my favorite. I have to say this was my favorite episode and Goodness. Yeah, I'm smiling. <laughs> well, listen, for the, for the, you know, 14 people who don't follow Mort on Twitter, <laughs> it's, uh, it's Mort Report. Very simple. Um, and listen, you're going to want to keep an eye out on his Twitter account over the next, what will be 16 days when we air this, and then throughout the NFL draft and throughout the year as well. Uh, great information. Um, great source, um, great person. Um, so for Julie Noted underscore PFG, for PFG Vibe and for Bax Football Guru, I'm Russell Baxter saying goodnight to Julie Boyd. And uh, thank you again, Chris Mortensen, um, for making our evening. Take care, everybody. <laughs>